Yeah, it's your boy Ray Ray on the mic. Let's go. Mic check, mic check. Welcome to On the Mic with Ray White, where we share life lessons, encourage self-reflection, and equip you to take action. My name is Ray White, and I am juiced that you're taking time to listen to this episode today. And this one is another fire interview for you. My main man, Ryan Johnston, hops onto the mic, and he's a for, he's a former teammate and college friend of mine back in the one limit days. And what's dope is that this man is still playing football. I am, man, I'm hyped. The homeboy is still mossing DBs up in Alaska without a care. He's a champ. He's going to talk a little bit about that. But more importantly, he shares a little bit about his experience working in local government in Alaska and some of the misconceptions that he has been working through personally and sharing with others working in that space and an amazing great work that they're doing for the people of Alaska up there, as well as mindset, stoicism, mindfulness, and ways that we can capture that, especially in our professional and personal lives to help make our world better. I think this is a dope interview. I know y'all going to get a lot of nuggets from this as well. Please be sure to listen to this all the way through. And I would love to hear what your thoughts are about what he says to help carry us forward for you to take action too. I'll drop his social media handles in the show notes and we're just going to dive into this y'all. So let's get into this interview titled Built for This featuring Ryan Johnston. Ryan Johnston's on the mic. What's up, Ryan? How you doing? What up, Ray? <laughs> Thanks for having me. And I'm happy for you to be on here. Um, uh, Ryan is a friend of mine from college. We play ball together at Willamette. Uh, we actually, just before we hit record, which I wish we did, but we talked a bit about this because uh, he's still playing, which I'm I'm hyped that, about you're still playing about that. Well, I would love to talk about that. Um, you're the recent champ out here, uh, but more importantly, uh, just your career path as well, kind of from Willamette till now. Um, some of the work that you're currently doing in government up in up in Alaska, and then uh, what's your hope and dreams for the future too, with uh, some of the some of the things that you're a part of. But um, thanks for being on the mic. Before we begin, I asked this question, which I didn't prep you for, which is becoming a fun trend uh, for a lot of my guests. I would love for you to share what is your life mission or mantra that you live by. Oh, that's a good one. I I think. In the last couple of years, um, I've been really trying to focus on controlling what I can control in my life and really looking at like how I externalize just like trying to be positive. Cause I think uh, a big struggle that especially in my job last couple of years is like trying to make sure that I'm always being positive. I mean, I can't control like anything in life. You can't control what other people do. So I think for me, it's really focusing on what I have control over my agency and how I use that agency. And I always want it to be for a source of good or, and that's a very broad term, but I, I think for me, especially in the last couple of years, like that's what I'm always trying to come back to is what I'm doing good is what I'm doing, going to benefit people and um, being a public servant, the selfless part of things is always in the back of my mind. I, I don't view my job as a way to further my existence but i see it as a conduit for help so i'm trying to keep that in the back of my brain all the time is hey are you doing something that's going to benefit others and yourself not just you so i think definitely that's been my big big outlook on life in the last couple of years is just control what i can control and make sure that it's my i'm using my agency for good that's good that's a very servant leadership mindset of you you know um 
which is an awesome and something you can't really teach, but it can be learned and, and it could be grown upon, especially as you continue to take practice and action in it. Yeah. And I think that, and that's been my, my, my kind of my epiphany moment um, post-college was the fact that like, like nothing shows up finished, right? Like there is no finished product that you just like show up and you're like, Oh, perfect. That's exactly what I wanted. I knew that's what I needed. Um, and I've been reading, uh, the last couple of years, a lot of stoicism, um, a guy by the name of Ryan holiday, like his stuff because, um, he, he brings stoicism to the 21st century, which I think is very practical, especially for young people right now, because I, I, I don't know, everything is like the swings of the pendulum right now. And, and for me, I think slowing down, focusing on one thing and being like, okay, how did that make me feel? Why do I feel that way? should I feel that way? Like, I, I, I wish I had been more self-reflective in my like younger years. Of course, everyone says that. Right. But like, it makes me think back to those times where I let people's words and actions like trigger me and turn me into not a different person, but like allowed me to kind of get away from myself and be upset and, and say things and, and really like cloud my vision too. Like, um, <laughs> I, Willamette will always be kind of home in a way, you know, like I spent four years there, didn't exactly leave on a super high note, but I think agency is such a powerful thing. And I, I think young people today, we don't exactly think we have it, which is a sad thing because I think all we have in our lives is agency, right? Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't just assume like, oh no, I have no effect on that. Like you just being there in a situation makes your agency a powerful thing. So um, yeah, I, I think it's an interesting, interesting, like, especially in this job, uh, your agency is always something you have to be aware of. Yeah. What's interesting is that the powerlessness that we mostly feel does kind of get told to us in a way externally. Right. And then we internalize that thinking that, oh, I don't really, like you said, I don't have agency to take action here. I can't really control this environment, um, and make it for my benefit or for the good of the order, good for the other, for others around us. Right. And hundred percent, it's difficult because then that perspective and mindset continues to oppress our ability to take action. And then we go back into this cycle where I'm affected by my environment, um, which in some reality, yes, but you also can affect the environment. Like that's the opposite right? The growth mindset of the, of the capacity that we have is we can make change. We can control what we see and what we're part of. And, and how it affects our being, we can be mindful of that, but not let that dictate what our next action step is. Um, exactly. Yeah, that's dope. That's good. That's that's <laughs> good work. Um, well, it, it, well, I sorry when you when you talked about the external factors that like it's such a because like gosh, in our lifetime, uh, the amount of information we take in, right, like it's just exponentially grown, even in the last like five, 10 years. I mean, I, I just think you're right. There's so much more external factors. And, and I, I know it's such an interesting study in life. Like we were talking the other day, like, like how much can, like how much information can you actually consume before it starts to be detrimental, right? Like how, cause I think I always like good in, bad out, or good in, good out, bad in, bad out kind of a mentality. Like, I, I don't know, I try to like not focus on the negative in the world because I think that, th like you said, it kind of gets you in that death spiral of negativity. And it is 
like how how can you have a positive outlook at times when you're just constantly being bombarded with this is bad this is bad this is bad oh yeah and you're one tiny little person you can't you have no agency over any of this and it's like I think that's a really powerful message like you said like being kind of like this self-oppression kind of a thing and you get stuck in this loop and yeah it's a it's a scary thought and I think our generation needs to be talking about it more um especially as like I mean our generation gosh that's such a weird <laughs> such a weird thing to say but it's, it's just such a I I, I mean yeah, it's just something I feel like our generation needs to be talking about more because, I mean, no generation has had this before, right? Like the invention of the television was kind of like that, the invention of the radio, like there have been like things like this change, but I just, I don't know, and I'm a layman, but I still think like nobody has dealt with this kind of like swell of information as much as our generation has had to. And I mean, we're like I guess I, you and I are like the front end of our generation right or on the front end but not necessarily the front end but we're going to be the ones that have to kind of like deal with it first in a way yeah, that's true that's true in, yeah. in a sense um there's there I think those who are kind of in their late 30s I heard on another podcast they call them senior millennials so <laughs> I'm sure they love that. <laughs> so that kind of that rage is like, all right, so yeah, we're like, you're right. We're at the cusp of that kind of front end of a lot of this new age, new information and bombardment of, of it coming to us 20, like, you know, the 24 hour news cycles always was already there, but now it's even more so with the, on our phones and we can access it yeah. um, and be experiencing that. But then another piece that you stated is that, you know, some the inundation of data, regardless of good or bad, could hinder our progress moving forward. Um, and you, you've kind of laid out a, a few of those um, action steps, I guess, if you will, to to help navigate that. One that you mentioned is, you know, you're studying stoicism, so which I, which and and kind of the ability to focus in on one thing at a time. And another thing you mentioned is just uh, recognizing the sense of agency and. Um, the, the control that you do have in the environment that you have, what are some of the other things that you, that you kind of picked up along the way, right? That you wish you would have known <laughs> in college that would have been like, oh, man. if I would have, you know, with this information, with this stuff, if I was able, able to navigate and regulate it better, um, focusing on one thing, knowing the things that I can control, what are some of the other tactics or things that would, that have been beneficial for you? Well, just to bring it back to football, because that's who I am. And, <laughs> Well, <laughs> well it, uh, and actually, what, actually, what this one came at, this one was kind of very early on post-college, but um, when I went to go play in Europe, I had asked Danny Mitchell, uh, a, a guy who played quarterback with Ray and I, to, to like do a player review for Euro players, because I was trying to, and, but in, in his, like, his uh, uh, letter of rec for me, he put in there, he put in there, Ryan doesn't know how good he is. And he's the only thing that holds him back. Or like, it was just something very like succinct, which I, in my mind, I was like, yeah, like, I know I can play football, but I always had, especially in college, because I didn't make the jump from high school to college very well at all. I always doubted myself. I had a lot of like self pressure that I put on myself. And it, 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 in, in reality, I lost the whole, like, this is a game, just play football. I like, especially for us at D3, right? Like we weren't in that to make money. We weren't, I, none of us thought we were going to the league. Like we just wanted to keep playing football, right? And so 
and and that was one of those things that has carried on with me though is like my confidence I, I really try and look at things and be like no I can do that I, I really try and keep that that part of my brain off where it's like nope you can't do that that's you're not good enough don't do that don't try that I I think uh, that's one of those things where I, I think I would have had a more enjoyable college experience if I would have gone back and been like, Hey, like, this is about me having fun, focus in on the fun aspects of this. And, and I think it would have made me a better player too, because like, once you start self-doubting, oh man, that's a death spiral in sports and in life too. And um, that, that one was really powerful me for me. And, and I think um yeah. And I try and approach my, like my job, the same kind of way. Like it's interesting, the amount of people I, I go into an office and like, Oh, we need to call this person. They're like, Oh, can I send an email? And I'm like, no, just call the person. Like I had, had a, had a new staff come on and they're like, yeah, I'm thinking I'm going to send an email. And I was like, Hey, you've sent three emails. Like, I don't think they've gotten a message. Like this is a phone call time. And it was such a strange thing for me. Cause like I, pick up a phone call anybody and it's not really a, a barrier for me so it's like I think recognizing those areas where I do struggle has become much easier just because when you're more self-aware which is like easier said than done of course I, I think the thing and the thing I've appreciated about this stoicism book is the guy's talking about like you're not going to learn this in a day like you could read this book 12 times and the 13th time you'll have something new come out of it so I think that goes into another part of something which I, I I knew earlier on, but I don't think I really like practiced what I preached, which was like, you have to be constantly learning. Like, and if you're not constantly learning, you're standing still. And if you're standing still, it's not good. Like, uh, I think, uh, and, I, and I think that's a big str struggle with a lot of people these days. I think it, like the educational aspect is like, eh, don't need to do that anymore. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think that's, uh, that's been something I've been trying to focus on is like, okay, what, like reading books, um, listening to podcasts on different things, like things that I'm not, right. like, I didn't know I had an interest in or things like that. I think trying to keep that education, imagination um, kind of thing alive is good. Yeah, yeah. Because if you don't, if you're not intentional about doing that, yeah, you're going to continue to be feed, fed messages that aren't developing your consciousness or your awareness, your, your confidence, anything of that nature. Um, and so, and then even looking at non, you know, traditional and not traditional ways to kind of gather that information too. I mean, you know, nowadays, Gen Z, so we talk about generation, right? Gen Z, all, of us, <laughs> all kinds of occasional things in TikTok, but that doesn't mean that like some of the similar messages that are being shared there can be found in the stoicic book, you know, um, yeah. or YouTube or a podcast, or whatever. It's just like whatever medium in which that we consume information, we got to be intentional by uh, seeking those things out to expose ourselves to those things and unlock some of the uh, uh, areas that we were not aware of or need to be reminded of. Um, yeah. Ourselves about our identity in that way. Um, dang, bro, that was a that was dope. That's this still dope. <laughs> All dope. So when when was that moment for you? So you mentioned that. Because similarly, college, kind of that transition from high school to college was was rough for a lot of us, especially in, in the sports realm, like knowing the game, knowing that it's it's slightly different, but it's also the same than high school, the same as high school, right? Um, but you mentioned that that was just, what was the moment? Was it in college? Was it out of college where you started like 
having this new perspective in the way that you approached your own um, confidence or your ability to react to situations? Like, what was that switch for you? I think uh, a big one was uh, like going to play football in Europe um, because like I was um, like Danny, uh, Danny, Josh and Cody had all like, we're all there playing too, but they were all like in Southern Germany. Um, and so I, I didn't have the crutch of like hanging on to people, you know, like, like I was in Lubeck all by myself. Like it was, it was me, myself and I, and so I kind of, that was a, a big wake up call for me in the sense that like, Hey, life's going to keep going. Cause, um, the grad school of education had closed. And that was like the moment I, I had decided I was going to go play football in Europe is cause like the grad school had closed. I couldn't go there anymore. And I just had no desire to like try and figure out if I could go to Western Oregon, if I should try and go somewhere else. I, I just couldn't in my brain, I was like, ah, no, I don't want to do that. So like, let's go play football. And I think in my whole like pursuit of that, like I, I kind of started to realize like, Hey, like it's all on me. Like if I want to do this thing, cause that's what my parents were like, Hey, if you want to go, yeah, sure. Find a team and go. But like, it's on you. Like, cause I, my parents don't have, connections or anything like that it was just me like um using connections like t-spec and guys like that to try and like scrape this football dream to to fruition and but i think like going to germany i mean i i flew in let's see graduated sunday flew in wednesday wow. practice wednesday thursday friday game saturday wow <laughs> like i i just remember being like this is who I am. I'm a football player. Like, I'm here to play football. And, and that kind of like singular focus made me realize like how, like, if you want to be really good at something, like that's what you got to do. And, and I will say like going to Germany, I kind of went there. I was like, Hey, I'm the American. I'm here to play football. I've been playing football my entire life. Like, let's do this thing. And my coach was like, Hey, I'm going to need you to play corner. And I was like, I haven't played corner. I haven't played defense, let alone corner. I haven't played corner in like seven years, but I haven't played defense in four. And in my mind, I was like, sure, like, let's do this. And I told him, I'm like, yeah, sure, great, let's play. And I literally played, I kid you not, Ray, from whistle at the beginning of the game to the whistle at the end of the game. Like I played offense, defense, special teams, everything. And it was like, I had that moment where I was like, yeah, I can do this. Like it, and it's not anything profound, like, oh, I've, was on top of a mountain, but it was just like, and I think that was the thing that was more impactful for me, right? Is like, I know football and it was one of those things where I was like, Hey, if I can play an entire football game for 48 minutes, like, like the rest is easy. Like I, I can do. And I think it was, it was also, I ended up being the head coach of my team for the last four games. Cause our head coach got fired. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, Wait, that's possible. You can actually I, I, so you can play and coach in yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Tell me more. Tell me more. Well, and, and, and so like I was playing like GFL three. Like so the way they do football, right, is just like they do soccer. So there's like premier is GFL one, German football one, which Cody plays in um with the Schwabish Hall unicorns, uh, roll corns, no big deal. Um and then like so I was playing GFL three, so it was it was competitive. I would say like comparatively, it was like D3. Like it, like we had some dudes on the team, but we also had some guys that like just wanted to play football. So it was, it was pretty comparable to D3. And um, yeah. And so when I was playing, I was actually player coaching as like 
and coaching our receivers and like DBs. I just like helped our guys out and taught them a few hip like tricks and stuff, but I wasn't actually coaching DBs, but I was coaching receivers. And then I was working out one night, like just the clubhouse working out and my German host, Florian Knippel comes in and he's like, Hey, you need to come talk to the board. And I was like, Oh crap. So I go in and they're like, Hey Ryan, uh, we fired coach. Uh, we have four games left. We'd now like you to be the head coach. And I was like, you guys, I am like at my wits end <laughs> because like, it, and I will say like, that was the closest experience I will have to ever professional sports. Cause literally all I did was eat, sleep, breeze football, like worked out. Like, like it was like, I was two fifteen. And I was like the best 215 I've ever been in my life. Like I was, cause all I was doing was running, eating, playing football. My sleep was a thousand times better. No one, no one ever tells you like in college, like, Hey guys, like you're going to be doing all this stuff. You should sleep. Like <laughs> stress is a bad thing. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, and they were like, Hey, um, like, Hey, like we need you to be the coach. And I was like, you guys, I like, I'm playing, I'm running our special teams right now. Like I, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm almost burnt out. Like I, I'm having a time of my life, but also like mentally, I'm just like, awesome. and it was, and I think like you're talking about moments. I was like texting my dad and he sent back, all he sent back was Ryan, you were built for this. Mm. And in the back of my mind, like, of course it's like, you don't think like small statements like that will hit you, but it like hit me like a Mack truck. Cause like, yeah, like I'm not built for the easy moments. I don't like, I don't, I don't find a ton of joy in like being handed things. I don't, that's not my like. And so in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, I hate when my dad is right. But like, it was just that like, you're built for this. And I think I, I try and take that mentality into a lot of the things that I do too. And and that was, and I mean, I went, I went 500 as a head coach. No big deal. Uh, two for two. It's not bad. <laughs> uh, hey man, own that, you know, put that on the resume. Cause you know, how many folks can be head coach player in a, in a, and a player in a German league um, go 500 and, you know, go 500, no big deal. <laughs> well, and, well, actually like, this is not a bragging moment, but this is like, Hey man, it's your show. You brag. brag well, <laughs> well, so my best game in Germany, I had while I was doing all this player coaching and stuff, I had 22 catches for 220 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions and like 10 or 11 tackles. Dang. And in like, in the moment of the game, never occurred to me, never like, but we're sitting watching film on Sunday, Knuppel and I, and I am literally, it was hard to get out of bed on Sunday morning sometimes. Like I, I legitimately could not get out of bed. And like, of course we're watching film and I'm like sitting there just like my body hurts and I'm just exhausted. And Knuppel's like, oh my God, how many catches do you have? I was like, I don't know. And we like went back through that game. And after we finished film, I was just like, what did I, like, what was I on? What did I take? Like, but that's like such a funny thing in my mind is like, I had literally the best game of my entire life, like just absolutely crushed that game. And in the moment I had no, like I, I was doing so much other stuff and I was thinking about like where I needed to be and who needed to be on special teams. I literally couldn't even like take in like the fact that I had done all that. So it was just such one of those 
again, those moments where you kind of like, if you push yourself far enough, like you can do some pretty cool things. And I think once you get over that hump of like, I don't know if I can do that. Like, I don't know. Like, and I think, I think uh, sports has kind of beaten this into us, or at least for me, like failure is a thing, right? Like, like this season, anytime before a game, I'd always tell my teammates, like we'd get in a huddle and for offense and I'd be like, Hey, bad things are going to happen. Like, like we're not perfect. Like this isn't a simulation. Like they're like bad things are going to happen. Right. And it was like, Hey, that something bad happens. Let's next play next whistle. Right. And, and I think keeping that in mind in life too, is like life is not perfect. Bad things are going to happen. And I think you have to like, focus on how am I going to react to this like yes this bad situation has happened but I can either allow it to like cripple me and stop me from doing something or I can look at it and go okay hey yes that's bad yeah it sucks that my boss yelled at me flip side he's upset about this thing oh he's not actually mad at like it's all about just keeping perspective and and controlling your response because I think that's something I've really learned in the last six years in this job is like controlling my response to things because I don't want to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, but also I don't want people to know that they could get under my skin like that, or like kind of push me in directions. I don't want to go myself. So, yeah. Um, yeah. That's dope. Oh man. Nuggets dropping all of them. So <laughs> with that then, okay. So you move from Oregon to Germany, and then now you're in Alaska because here, or I do want to camp here a bit of just talking about some of the work that you are doing um, today. And then, and then now, and then kind of circling back to like the whole uh, controlling what you can control and even focus and being focused on what you do. Uh, you are still balancing and juggling quite a bit of things, but uh, want to hear a little bit more about what does the work look like for you today? And how are you enacting a lot of these skill sets and lessons into the work that you're doing now? Yeah, so uh, I work in the Alaska State Legislature, and I've worked uh, in the Alaska State Legislature in the last, um, for the last six years, since 2016. Um, And um, so right now, I'm the chief of staff for an office uh, for a representative on the hillside here in Anchorage. Um, And and primarily, a lot of my work is policy stuff right now. Um, Like, I'm staffing our committees, like, he's the chair of energy. Um, so we're looking at energy policies, anything energy related in the state of Alaska kind of comes across our radar and we try and keep tabs on it. Um, electrical vehicles is a big one that we've been working on. Um, Alaska, we're just kind of like behind in the infrastructure world. Um, we had a ton of money dumped in in the 80s and then it's then like infrastructure has, hasn't really gotten its due diligence up here. So we've been focusing on like, how do we bring uh, electrical infrastructure, electrical vehicle infrastructure to Alaska in an equitable way? Um, and then he also sits on community and regional affairs, which is kind of a catch-all committee. Like we, like we heard a, a bill this year about like raw milk um, and goat sharing. <laughs> my, my job, I, <clears throat> it's funny because my job just covers the spectrum. Cause like one day I'm working on an energy policy thing. The next day my, boss is like wanting a bill on uh i don't know campaign finance reform or something like that like we we kind of are jack of all trades um in the legislature which i think has made me made me better at my job because i think i like when you talk about focus it's like like today i'm focused on this topic i'm going to write a memo i'm going to write a script for this committee i'm going to do this today 
And then 30 minutes later, something pops up and my boss goes, hey, we need to pivot to this thing. And it's like, okay, boom, dropped that. It's in a good spot, pivot. I'm on on to this thing. And and I think it's, uh, it's a really there's some really good parts of my job that I like a lot because I get to continue that education part. Like I'm constantly learning, like every day I'm reading new stuff. Um, like the other day I was on a phone call with the Washington state ferry or with a Senator who like is a part of their, or their transportation committee talking about their ferry system. Uh, and what's funny, cause he went to Pacific and played football at Pacific. So we had this weird like bonding moment about that. And uh, the world is too small, but so like, I spent a day on that. I learned all about them and what they're doing and their energy retrofits and how they're trying to push for green energy. And then the very next day, I'm worried about committee stuff. And we have a couple of people that want to have bills heard in our committee. So then I, I went from the educational part to like the interpersonal part of dealing with people and like, hey, are you actually ready to have a hearing? Do you have all these documents prepared? Do you? Have... And so I, I think the struggle for me is like the fact that I don't have one thing like that's been uh, in the last probably year. Well, because prior to this job, I actually worked for another representative who was the chair of our finance committee. So he worked explicitly on the state budget. Like that's all he did. And for me, I kind of really liked that job a lot because I, I just got to, all I did was budget uh, for all session. All I did was budget, which was a powerful experience. Because um, you, yeah, like I, I think people take state governments for granted and the people that will enact the fastest changes that will touch you the soonest are your state legislators. Like if, if I had one PSA for people is like, Hey, federal, like the way I look at the federal government after this job is like, they're just a giant piggy bank. They have tons of money and they're going to give that money out, but they're not the ones like enacting social policy in your state, the fastest, like, um, or, or like even DOT, like a lot of, like actually all of our roads here in Alaska are basically federally funded, but they're like, they come through us, right? The money comes to us and we employ people to build, maintain all that. And so for me, I mean, you and I went to school across the street from the Oregon state Capitol. You know how many times I went into the Oregon state Capitol while I was in school once, maybe twice, I think. And one of them, yeah. Like one of them was to film a, uh, a bachelor video <laughs> oh, I, so um oh, uh, so but it, it was just uh i think like state politics are taken for granted like the federal stuff is really like like flashy and looks really cool and people are making powerful statements but i think state level government is, is needs to be engaged with more um and, and I just think uh, that's been my big takeaway is I, I think people kind of overlook us sometimes. Um, but yeah, anyway, focusing. Um, yeah, no, I, I think, and, and especially the, the agency part, like I was talking about, like I, I'm one guy in one office in, an, in a building of 60, like trying to remember that like consensus builds a lot of things. And, and I think, uh, that's been a struggle um, just in like the current climate. And, and I appreciate my boss because my boss is always talking about like, Hey, like we need people to get along, to go along. Like it, it, there is no my way or the highway. And I, I really appreciate that because it's just such a struggle, right? Like the pendulum swinging is goods and bads. Uh, and I think 
more moderation, it would just be more beneficial for all of us right now. And, and I think I, I try and do that in my job just because it's like, like we don't have 28 votes. They don't have 28 votes. We're all going to have to work together here at some point. And I think the frustrating part right now too, is like keeping that mindset. I will, cause I'm not perfect. There's days when like, like we're in our fourth special session. We've been, by the end of this month, we will be in, have been in session for 240 days. Wow. It's just ridiculous. Like, and, and I, I of course get frustrated cause it's like, we're trying to work on our budget. We're trying to work on this dividend thing. And at some point, like, like just thing, things weren't going well. And I just remember just thinking like, this is stupid. This is dumb. Let's just go home. And I was like, okay, well, that was a pretty childish thing to say because you're a state employee. You can't just go home. Like, it doesn't work that way. Uh, but it, 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 and that's where it goes back to that part of like, you're constantly training, right? Like you're constantly having the, like, if you're not being self-reflective and you're not thinking about the fact like, oh, why did I get upset? Oh, because I want something to happen. Well, that person has their own goals and ambitions and I may or may not agree with them. And, um, but being aware, I think that's the part that I try and keep in the back of my mind is perspective of other people and being aware of their perspective and not agreeing with it, but I can understand it. Right. No, what was fascinating is there's multiple, like with the older we get, the more how complex and layered all the things that we're a part of is involved with so like as you're just as you stated just the engagement that government has on our daily lives is is pretty integral and if we're not engaging with what's happening locally um, we could be missing out on some opportunities to enact that you know, the change that we want to see right or be able to greatly understand even in your current role just being able to recognize just the the system of how it operates and who touches what and what relationships you need to build, what um, conversations you need to have, how do you bring them to the one space to help understand what the perspectives are is necessary. Otherwise, you're going to be missing out on um, uh, a blind spot or a gap or an, an, an unintentional harm or just miss out on some completely entirely by not having the right person in the room or having the right relationship there and present. And then even as you stated, just the interpersonal dynamics for your own self stepping into those spaces and then even just in understanding other people in their in their world um it's so important for us to kind of come in with that mindset of uh, what i hear you saying is coming to myself that consensus of collaboration of connectivity first and foremost um and understand from an empathetic perspective what do they see what do they feel how do they experience this and then what do what how do we then bring in unity um because we're going for the same thing, right? It may be sound different, <laughs> or the approach may be a little bit off or, or, or in a different lane, but if we can find that common goal um, together, how much greater could we see change in our communities um, than us trying to do it separately or in our own corners or what have you, you know? Um, Absolutely. That's really good and hard. <laughs> that, what? Oh man, it's, it is really hard because I think the thing the thing that I, I think is most interesting right is like it's really easy to be critical of government and like I find myself even being critical of government and I work in government but but I think the thing that hit me kind of hardest when I entered this job is like <laughs> like like government is just like any other institution right like goods and bad actors across the board and like doing the budgetary side of things, like 
OCS uh, Office of Child Services has big been a big hot button issue for us. Um, like massive caseloads, uh, case officer burnout, like, like everything across the spectrum. And one of the first things I was like, just looking through OCS's budget in a, in a starting out OCS like caseworker only makes $60,000 a year. And I know that sounds like a lot of money, but to be an OCS caseworker with a hundred cases yeah. to make $60,000 a year, like I was shocked. And, and I think that's the, the part that blows my mind away. Like when people talk about, oh, government needs to operate like a business. And I, and I, 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 hundred percent can own that. I used to be one of those people that used to say that I, I grew up in a fairly conservative home. I grew up in a, a conservative town. I, I was from a small rural town in Oregon, of course. So it's like, like I had kind of that mindset, like, Oh, government shop operated like a business efficiency. Yep. Boom. Makes sense to me. But once I actually see, like saw it, right. Like, no, that like, no, that OCS caseworker is not producing anything. Shh. They are not producing a product to then be sold to make a profit. That person is providing a service in the hopes of like helping a child get out of a terrible situation. Like their end goal is not a profit driven thing, right? They're, they're, they have a mission statement, they have a goal and they're trying to like help and provide the service. Right. And for me, I, in my mind, I was like, you should pay an OCS worker. Like, I, I just couldn't fathom the fact that people were being critical of these OCS workers because we had a couple of representatives that were just hammering OCS workers like, you're not doing your job well enough, you're not protecting kids. And I, I'm sitting there going, well, how do you expect an OCS caseworker case to deal with 100 cases? Like, that's just unimaginable to me. And like, I look at teachers, the same thing with a teacher. Like, when people are like, we get hammered in the state of Alaska for how like bad our test scores, but we spend the most money. Well, we also don't have a county system. So the state is actually providing the bulk of funding. And so it, like our per capita spend on students from the state is much higher than other states, except it, we don't have that middle tier of spending from counties, right? So, and I mean, we, we provide education for a state the size of the West coast, like half, half the United States of America. Right. So we, in like these situations where people are like, Oh, bad test scores again this year, probably should cut education. And you're sitting there going, that teacher has a, has a classroom of 35 students. I wouldn't expect like, I don't know, a private, I, I take anything in the private sector, right? Like if you had 35 people you had to deal with every day, you probably wouldn't have great outcomes. Like I, you can't spend the amount of time, you can't invest in those kids, like all of these factors. But at the same time, like for me, I, I can, like for me, I see that, right? But it's really interesting when I try and have these conversations with uh, like people on the other end of the spectrum who are like, nope, we spent a ton of money, we had a bad outcome, cut spending. It's, it's, it's clearly a spending part is a problem. And for me, it's been really hard to try and like remedy those two situations because for me, like the empath in me, like looks at that situation with that teacher. And I was like, yeah, the teacher, like, how do you expect that from that teacher? I wouldn't expect that from that teacher, like 35 kids in a classroom. And, and if they're lucky, that's high school, but man, you start getting down seventh, eighth, like that's a lot of kids in a small space with one person. Like I, I just, that's, I don't know. I can't blame the teacher and that's me. And I, and so yeah, like the budget side of things really, like I, sorry, last Good quick point. example about budgeting. 
<clears throat> like before this job, I couldn't quantify a million dollars. And because it's like, oh, a million dollars was this great big number. Oh, cool. A million dollars goes a long way. A million dollars, like that's, that's four state troopers for me. Like the way I, like I, I've started to quantify a million dollars. Oh, that's four state troopers. Cause I know an onboarding cost for a state trooper is $250,000 right out the gate. Like that's salary, car, gun, all that stuff, 250,000. I know that off the top of my brain. So when somebody goes, <clears throat> you should cut a hundred million from the state budget. And I'm like, well, simmer down there. Like, can you quantify a hundred million? Cause a hundred million to you might be a small amount, but in some of our departments, some of our departments don't even have a budget of a hundred million. Like education every year, we spend a billion dollars. Like I, that's how I quantify a billion dollars because that's what it costs to pay for education for the entire state of Alaska. And so, I don't know, that, that, that was kind of another profound moment for me. Like once you start able to quantify those big amounts of money, you're kind of going, oh, a million dollars doesn't really go, like in the, in the state, statewide operations scheme, million dollars drop in the bucket for what we have to do. So perspective would be nice to share sometimes. <laughs> Which, you know, the perspective as you experience comes from exposure, comes from education, from yeah. um, just the, the engagement that you have with people. And if, if you don't have that, your perspective is very limited. <laughs> uh, but these, the, yeah. the, if you expand your circle in a way that shows curiosity, right? In a way that shows just how do I genuinely learn and understand what's happening around me that helps shape the, the way that you take action to help shape the way that you quantify um, the work that you do or the work other people do or see the impact that by you being in this room, looking at these spreadsheets, you can see specifically how it could impact that actual person or this ent entity and institution and understand just that, 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 that having that lens just helps make those decisions. And the more that we can do that, I wonder how, I mean, I guess, how greater we can be connected or just be able to see that kind of that change if we able to have some of those um, come in with that perspective first, come in with that mindset first. Yeah, <clears throat> well, that's, I think, something that I've, <clears throat> I've started to come in, in contact more, um, I would say probably in the last two years, uh, my first couple of years, I don't think it was as uh, in my face, I think it's like, like it, my interactions with people having the automatic assumption like, oh, government's bad, you're not telling me the truth. And that for me was really hard. Um, like one example this summer, worked on this comprehensive fiscal working group, um, trying to figure out like, cause we've been in debt for like, I don't know, since 2014, like we have had this constantly reoccurring um, problem of deficits every year. and. Um, we're the only state in the United States without a sales tax or an income tax. So we like, we have no sales tax, no income tax. And uh, so working on this comprehensive fiscal group, I'm, 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 so, I'm just helping another legislator who's in charge of it because his staff had to leave. And I end up kind of like being latched on to the pro like, because it was just some a, a committee that needed more staff than just one office, right? And so I'm helping and this is like a special committee. So we have none of the infrastructure built out. So like, we don't have an email. We don't have like a tab. Like we don't have anything on the website, like where all our, our information is going to go. 
and I'm just one staffer and like I put in all the phone calls for IT to make the emails so we can centrally get emails for public testimony. Um, <clears throat> so I've gone through all the hoops and, but it's also like when this group came about, it was like right up to a weekend. All of these factors made things like go slow. And I'm, again, I'm trying to remember I'm one person. I can't control all this, right? I've done my part and now I just got to wait and got a phone call from a constituent who's very, very impassioned about this issue because um, we have a dividend. We, 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 oil revenue has created this ginormous sovereign wealth fund for us. It's like an 80 some billion right now, kicks out some money every year to pay for state services. And then we, <clears throat> in the pre, like when we had tons of money, we would just give checks to people because we're an owner state. And anyways, come back. Guy is really upset that these checks have been decreasing over the last couple of years because we've been running deficits. And he's like, well, where's the email where I can submit public testimony? I was like, you know, sir, we're working on that. I've emailed and like, I've done my part. I'm just waiting to hear back from IT. And the guy like came back with, well, you've now fallen into a trap because you now know I can FOIA that. I, you now know I can request that. And I, in my brain, it took me a second because I was like, yeah, I guess. Like, and then I realized like, oh, you think I'm lying. Like you think I, like I, I and I, it's one of the few times like, because with constituents, like I'm always like you're always deferential to a constituent because that's our job. We're here to be of service. Like I'm never supposed to be in a conversation with a constituent. Like I'm here to be a help. I'm here. I'm here to be a resource. And I don't know what if I had too much coffee that day, or if like the world <laughs> had just like punched me in the face too many times. I don't know what it was, <clears throat> but I like I had this momentary snap where I was like, "Excuse me, are you insinuating that I would?" like lie are you insinuating that i wouldn't do my job as a state employee to ensure the process is transparent and and i just like and as soon as i stopped talking because i did the whole thing <laughs> like you know when you start getting a little upset your voice kind of like yeah. your pitch goes up a little bit your tone changes and i like as soon as i stopped talking i was like oh my god oh my god i can't believe i just did that that was so stupid <clears throat> and the guy instantly shot back with oh my gosh i'm so sorry i you know, I, I apologize. I didn't mean to say that. I appreciate that you stood up for yourself. I'm sorry. Wow. And in my mind, I just like, it was the first time, like, well, not the first time, but like in the last, but it was just like this, like, I, I just couldn't believe that somebody like had never met me, never knew me. It's just a phone or a voice on the other end of the phone just would assume that I was lying and I was somehow trying to like stop the public process. And like that, I, 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 it hit a button for me that I couldn't, I hadn't, I hadn't known was there that I would somewhat become so defensive about the institution, but I work for it. But I think it's, I think, I think I've become more defensive of government and more defensive of my institution because I, I feel like, I don't know, people think there's this, like, there's thousands of staff running around and there's all these, like, resources at our fingertips. Like, I'm one guy in an office of two, <laughs> serving 17,000 Alaskans like that's that's our our that's our job and I just like I don't know it's just interesting like and I understand like you like you're talking about like I can empathize with a guy because he might have had a bad experience with another office like he might have has some overarching issues with government that have come from like losing a, a child or uh, something you know and and all these things but in the back of my mind I was just so so shocked that somebody would accuse me of that. And I, 
and I think that's the climate we're in right now, right? Is everybody is very, very tuned up, very, like, very aggressive, very anxious about things. And I, to me, that's like, well, that's when we start making mistakes. Like when you're like, when you're so revved up and you're so animated and you're so wanting to do something like that's when you let things slip and you don't think about someone else's opinion or you don't ask them because you're like, no, no, I don't want to talk to him today. Let's do this instead. And then in the long run, it's just going to hurt your chances of being able to accomplish things. Um, yeah, that's long roundabout way of like our environment is our environment is definitely very hard to work in right now. I think yeah. for everybody, like not just my job, I think everybody, unfortunately, like COVID political climate, economic climate, I think it's all just been kind of, it's all been building. Right. And then in the last two years, it's really just kind of punched us all in the face. Yeah, no, I agree. And it, it, it is a opportunity for us to, not necessarily it's like don't want to i love the energy right <laughs> there's that there's like <laughs> okay cool like there, there's some action or there's some excitement in 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 or yeah energy i guess is in how this is uh we're coming about these things um now how do we channel that how do we uh work together through that like how do we then be able to uh use it in a way that is moving us towards you know progress is something that um, I've seen, especially quite a bit in the last two years, especially being yeah. more, uh, at least discussed about, right? Um, how do we recognize the, the the problems that we see or the perspectives that we don't have and be able to then say, okay, by us not having this perspective, it is, we're, we're hindering ourselves to move forward. So how can we grow in that? How can we channel that in a way that does allow us to see that and then come together to make action in that? So that's dope, man. Um, well, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's, yeah, anyways, I could talk about, I could talk about that forever, just because it's, like, prevalent. well, and I think it, it, it's, like, it goes back to that agency thing, right, like, if I don't worry about that thing, it doesn't affect me, if I don't allow that thing in, if I don't talk about politics, if I don't talk about those things, I can keep it at arm's length, and I never have to worry about it, but, like, <laughs> everything touches you at some point everything does especially in our world today like i the older you get the, the more you realize how small the world is like and it, it's just uh you have to engage and i think our generation needs to to face that that kind of like like because i i think i'm trying to think yeah we like i feel like i feel like black lives matter was our generation's first like like our moment, right? Like our our moment to create a uh, agency for our generation, right? Like we, like our parents had the '70s, and they had uh, like they had that time, right? They had that time in American history to stand up against racism. They had that time to stand up against sexism. Like they had that opportunity, and and I've kind of talked to some friends about how BLM was like our first like major crack at the apple as a generation. Like, of course, people within our generation have been doing things not to marginalize or minimize that at all, but I, I, I felt like that was the first time where somebody stopped and was like, oh, millennials and Gen Z have something to talk about. Like, like it was our first kind of shot across the bow to boomers and, and Gen Xers that like, hey, like, yeah, we're young people, but at the same time, like, we're not just gonna coast through this. Like, like I love when boomers, like, you know, I don't wanna be generationalist, but like, 
but I, I, I like, but you talk about external factors, like, Hey, go to college, get a job and it has to be good. And you have to do this thing and buy a house and you have to do these things, X, Y, and Z. And I like, when you stop and think about it, it's like your trajectory for doing that in 1960, 70, completely different than what our, like, like I have had representatives who or people in my job, I try and talk to about like why I think college loan forgiveness is a good idea. Like as an economic driver, as a stress relief, like all these like different kinds of things. And they can't fathom the amount of debt that our generation has. Like they, like they physically and mentally cannot wrap their brains around the fact that like a 22 year old out of the gate, without a job, without any prospects, with nothing, could potentially be looking at like $100,000. Like I got super lucky at Willamette and I only came out with like 30, like I came out with $30,000 in debt. But even like thinking about that, like I'm 22 years old and what do I have like to my name, like a degree from Willamette, which was great, but like for $30,000 of debt, that's like something like, I'm lucky it wasn't a hundred because that, gosh, can you, like I, so, like, I, I, that's a bit of a big struggle for me too, is like our generation kind of pushing back and being like, Hey, like, cool. That worked for you guys. But like, like that doesn't work for us. Like we couldn't, we couldn't do the same thing you did. So stop trying to like be, be upset with us when we're trying to start the conversation about like why that thing is bad or why we should change that. Like it's been a, that's been a, a struggle for me, I think. Yeah. Wait, that's a lot of because yeah uh, we didn't even touch on this but just uh, we we kind of did but in a, in a different lens but yeah within the workplace there are many multi generationals multi generations uh, within the space and we're again that trying to navigate with the same resources or the same perspectives or different perspectives that we had to then uh, create a change and when there's when all that is happening in one spot there, there there's bound to be tension right? there's bound to be yeah. and and they were even just like um, strong thought processes and opinions towards what should be done because it may work for one group like it worked here why can't it work here but it's you know that's why that there's that aspect of like again personally what can i control but recognizing there are other perspectives that i don't know so how do i gain that knowledge and perspective and then from there be able to say okay but what is going to work for you <laughs> yeah. yeah what's gonna how's that gonna make sense and and we need yeah those entities and people with that mindset that you have of, of kind of like, okay, you know, we gotta, we gotta come together in this. And we gotta work through this together. Um, more people with that perspective, how much more could we uh, see that growth and not being, you know, coming to a fourth session with special session <laughs> resolution, uh, small example. Just a uh, no, no, no. I, I think, and I, I think that I, I love that. Like, I really appreciate you like bringing things down to a small, small has negative context, but like, I think sometimes we like in life, right? Like you look at big things and you want to look at big examples and you need this like hero complex isn't the thing, but like you put things up on a, on a mantle, right. And you put them up on a pedestal and you're like, okay, that's the thing. That's the thing. But it's like, I don't know. I work with some really great people and I work with some like bureaucrats that like have been doing this job for 20 years. They've put in their time. And, and like, those are the people I go and talk to honestly now, like I, 
because it's just like you want to know how to do something find somebody who's boots on the ground who has been in that thing and ask them for the small examples like hey like what is this how did this work like did that feel okay did it not like because i think once you like when you once you get stuck up in the clouds with the big ideas that's when you start losing perspective and you get like entrenched in your dogma right like it's just that that whole thing of like once you start looking at things at smaller granule level of like oh yeah we're all people like <laughs> which is a strange thing that we even have to have that conversation right like hey you know like we're all americans at the end of the day or we're all alaskans at the end of the day or like you know like i think we both can agree we want good educational outcomes or whichever example you're in in that time if you're always coming back to like oh okay like we do like we do have the same goal in these things and it's like yeah how do you push aside the stuff that gets in the way yeah yeah man dang i love the fact that we just went in multiple directions and this is love <laughs> i love it. <laughs> conversations i love having and I, I i appreciate your perspective in this because again you know prior to us even recording uh, you know, a while ago when I asked you to come on, like, I was like, wow, there's so much that I just did not know. It, it just in, in, in the Alaskan world and the Alaskan government world, like, wow, there's a lot of perspective here that I wasn't aware of that I can take with me. And like, you know, with me living in Salem, uh, still living in Salem, but like me able to contextualize, yeah. like, okay, so how does that look here? You know? So I think it's important that, you know, yes, I, I'm, grateful and privileged to know you and to have this platform to have these conversations but for those listening to be like okay so who are the people i need to connect with to, to gain that 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 lens right like how can i break down my own misconceptions about a particular entity or institutions and then get boots on the ground and actually learn from those folks like what is actually happening what would be helpful what would be, what would be beneficial or how are you navigating these things because i think the more that we can adapt those the, the commonality in in the way that we approach life as humans as you reminded us yeah. <laughs> if we have with that lens and how, at the end of the day how do we reach these goals that we're striving towards together and part of that is just the relationships the connections the opportunities to build in that way and not sit in our ivory towers or in the clouds um, but being able to, you know, my dog wants to say hi. Yeah. She's like, it's time for a walk, dad. <laughs> all right, all right. We're going to go. We're going to go. Um, oh, this is dope. Okay. Uh, what is next? Like, I don't want to, you know, it, eventually my dog's pawing at me. What is next for you? What is next for your work? What What are you looking forward, looking towards in the future? Yeah, no, I think um, in the last couple of years, uh, well, in the last year and a half, at least, like definitely considering like leaving government and doing something else, um, just because I think it's something about our generation, but also just something about me too, is like, I, I'm looking for a new challenge. I'd like to do something else. Like I did this job for six years and I've kind of like peaked out in it in a way because like I started out as a normal staffer and now I'm a chief of staff. I've kind of done that. I've had management experience now, which was really good for me because I'd never done that before. Um, and being able to manage an office and manage um, kind of like the direction of an office, I, I think was really good for me. Um, and I, I think I, I might get into lobbying. I might go out and just work as a government affairs for a business because then that would give me that focus, like being like, hey, what's your industry's issues? Well, how can we branch that with government? Because I think that's just a big disconnect in a lot of things. Like you said, people, 
not not knowing where to go to have the conversations or who to talk to or like even being willing to like oh maybe maybe we should just stay out of politics like let like but you need a regulatory change you're going to have to end up with government like there's no way around this those kinds of things and um so like the lobbying side or government affairs or honestly like i again being built for this if i had to leave this job and go work as like i, I don't know anything i kind of i kind of want to leave my doors open um just because i i don't know, i just like i i i love new challenges and i don't want to end up like at a spot in 10 years where i was like man i could have done that job but for some reason i like closed that door and it was kind of dumb of me to just be like nope can't do that like you don't have enough training, you're not experienced, whatever it may be. So I try and keep the mentality of like, hey, you can do anything. Like, of course, within like, no, I'm not going to go out and become a structural engineer, but like anything where I can write and talk to people, I could probably find a way to make it work. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I did hear before we recorded that you may be playing football for the next 10 years anyways. <laughs> I don't know about 10 years. I... 10 years might be a bit much my body. I don't know if my body will let me go another 10 years, but uh, I, this goes back again. We were talking before. Like, I think I want to play sports for as long as I possibly can. Cause I think I watching sports is just my kryptonite. It's painful. And uh, my friends don't like to watch sports with me. Cause I'm just coaching the entire time as Ray so eloquently put it like, um, uh, but I definitely want to keep playing sports. Like I, I was playing adult men's league baseball the last couple of summers before COVID hit just because like I had some friends and I was like, yeah, I'd much rather play baseball than watch. So, mm. um, and I think I'm just trying to, just trying to be active and play sports for as long as I can. <laughs> well, hey man, I, again, I'm very, I commend you for continuing to play, you know, and you, you rattled off a few names already that, uh, that are still playing too. And every time I see them pop up on my timeline, I'm like, dang, that's so dope. They're still out there getting it. But, um, I think, you know, one, you know, props to you on that, but just again, your, your ability to engage, your ability to be active and in your community, uh, you know, with the work that you do, but then even just, uh, just being involved in, in every aspect of the way. I mean, that's, that's a very, amazing thing to do and to be a part of and it's just been awesome to be a friend to watch on the front watch on my because i am on the sidelines so just <laughs> watch on the sidelines uh you you going after things and doing amazing work is pretty great so um uh if you're if you want to plug anything before we head out uh feel free uh what, what if anybody wants to be like yo i want to see all these 22 catches and two tv <laughs> brian johnston is is catching up uh, Gosh, no, I, I just want to say thank you for having me. I, I, I appreciate this opportunity to just, I, to just have a conversation with you. And I think that that would be my one plug is like, hey, like just talk to people about stuff. Like, don't be afraid to say something stupid. I mean, I'm a walking example of saying stupid things sometimes. And it just is what it is. Like, but if you educate yourself and get better and, but yeah, I know I appreciate you. And I also appreciate watching your grind. I think, um, you're a great example too of like, Hey, if you want to do something, just go do it. Like you don't need tons of money. You don't need a studio. You don't need 50 people working for you. Like if you want to grind and do your business your way. And I, I really appreciate it. And I, I, I like listening to your stuff. I appreciate it. Cause it kind of helps remind me of those things we talked about today is like, Hey, are you actually practicing what you preach? Uh, 
as Coach Fowles would say, is it just another clinic talk or is this you actually being you? So very much appreciate it, Ray. Man, this has been good. This has been good. I I I feel that we need to do a check-in in the future to be like, all right, man, like what's what's happening now? <laughs> well, yeah, because I we talked about me the entire time. I would like to hear some about you because I know you've been doing big things and you're a dad and Papa Ray. <laughs> Papa Ray, Ray Daddy is out here doing big <laughs> Ray Daddy. Oh man, it's been a yeah, it's we been need, a constant. We need to cut that now. We need to cut that now. Right, <laughs> uh, right man. This has been great. I appreciate you being on the show. And uh, yeah, look forward to talking to you again soon. You too. Have a good one. Don't have too much fun. <laughs>